internet, any scene can be played well or badly. My name is Matthew Kroll. And happy birthday, Mr. President. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies specifically. Finally, I think we got it right. Uh, this week's film, Blonde. Yes, finally. This is one uh, we've been meaning to do for the last three weeks, but completely missing up the schedule and doing it entirely wrong. So we are finally glad to be doing Andrew Dominic's Blonde. Or are we? I th- I think so. <laughs> I think this will be an interesting conversation. Uh, um, we, we were also scheduled to have a great guest join us for this, but it was actually my fault that uh, we were unable to make that happen because my uh, schedule got a little bit messed up this week. Uh, I was on a shoot, and unfortunately, our guest couldn't make our makeup day. Um, but they will hopefully send us in a uh, voice memo uh, uh, with their thoughts on this movie because I'm very interested to hear their thoughts on this movie uh, at some point in the near future. So then at the end, at, if they send it in before we finish the edit, we'll put it at the end of the Sorry. thing. You're shaking your head. No, it's not going to happen. I, 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 you know why it's not going to happen? Because this guest ha- happened to actually go to this, uh, to a screening of Todd Field's new film, Tar, which uh, was oh, cool. Blanchett. And, uh, and now I'm like, and this person is very, very excited by that movie. And I'm a big t- fan of Todd Field, uh, particularly his last film, Little Children. Um, so I'm just kind of excited to talk about that movie now. Um, right, so maybe we we'll just say it was Izzy, right? We, we can just say it was Izzy for BK and Rewind? Yes, we were hoping yeah. for it was Izzy for BK and Rewind. Ah, the perfect guest. Of who, of course, has talked about Marilyn Monroe extensively on her channel. Go and watch her video on uh, the production of The Misfits, which was Marilyn Monroe's last film, uh, for some or really interesting uh, historical context for or uh, the movie we're actually about to discuss, Andrew Dominic's Blonde. Uh, Matt, how are you being? Oh, well, the biggest news for me, cinematically, at this mm-hmm. moment, uh, today, a year the, the day of our Someone's Lord, uh, October 6th, uh, was the day that the trailer to End All Trailers dropped. We finally heard, from on top of the mountain, the non-Italian-accented voice of Mario from Chris Pratt in the new Mario Brothers movie. Can I tell you uh, a The trailer dropped today. And it sure does sound like Chris Pratt. Can I tell you a secret? Sure. I watched the trailer. Wow. <laughs> I watched the trailer because I was with my son and it was like, well, we could watch something fun, you know, like see this trailer. And, and you know, he's not, he doesn't know who Chris Pratt is. He doesn't care. He doesn't, it's not about Chris Pratt. It's about uh, Mario and Luigi. And I gotta say, yeah. teaser trailer, very good. Beginning Bowser fight, very yeah. funny. If you know the history of the penguins from the N64 game, mm, super basically. funny. Yeah. Uh, it, I, and, and I like that Jack Black sounded like Bowser. Yeah. Anyway, I, I was. <laughs> what I, did you think? Okay, fine. okay. Well, y- you brought it up. Let's lay it on us. What do you think of Chris Pratt as Mario? I think it's pointless. <laughs> now, granted, Mario is a Mario is a. I don't think it's bad or good. I think it's pointless. I, yeah. I, I think. Well, the point is. Oh, look, a name. Mm-hmm. Hooray! And I'm not saying I want uh, Charles Marinette, uh, the voice of Mario, in all of the games thus far to be it, because I don't want to hear "Woohoo, okie dokie." Like yeah. I don't want that for an hour and a half. Right. But there are a million talented voice actors, actors whom make a living doing voice work. Right. And and I know that celebrities, uh, regular uh, on-screen actors, do, like, dabble. Yeah. But, man, I would have loved to just get, like, some really skilled voice actor to do it. Right. Yeah, like, uh, I actually, uh, I thought the choice for uh, Ben Schwartz for Sonic the Hedgehog was actually pretty re- pretty decent. I think, actually... I thought he, that was good. He took, he took what the Sonic... 
persona was and and did something with it. You know, like I think he kind of he put his own spin on it. But you know what's interesting? Uh, he sort of in a lot of his roles has a bit of a sonic energy or anyway, vibe yeah. to him anyway. Yeah. So it's a Chris good Pratt doesn't feel like <laughs> anyone anymore, which is strange because he's he's. I don't know. It's just it's very milk toast. Again, yeah. the trailer looks nice. We, I bet we, you the movie's really fun. We all loved Chris Pratt circa 2012, didn't we? Didn't we? Yeah, love and Chris then Pratt? slowly but surely. What well, what has uh, eroded away? What's uh, you know? I used to have this conversation with my brother um, because it was he, he it, it actually has to do with MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice in our case, which was that you know like the 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 appeal for MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice faded away over time to the to the extent that they actually became scorned in hip-hop and that sort of thing. And my brother always made this point. He was like, well, look, the music that they made hasn't changed. What's changed is us. Our opinions have changed. But they, you know, it's still the same song that you'd liked back then. You've just changed. And I always thought that was an interesting take on, you know, like, what has changed about Chris Pratt since 2013, 14? Um, I mean, the main thing is, uh, uh, how do I... Hmm. You start feeling like, and again, the entirety of celebrity in this country or kind of around the world is super messed up because they have to make a, they don't have to, but a lot of them do to, you know, keep moving their image forward, uh, have to have a certain uh, vibe or thing that they're going for. Mm. Um, and Chris Pratt, in a way, has just sort of like gone too far, in my opinion, weirdly down like the action hero rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Like, like uh, I liked, I like Chris Pratt as um uh, comedy like i think right. even in the lego movie he was great obviously star lord although i can't tell if it's directors as star lord when he's appeared in like infinity war and now in thor love and thunder like i'm just not digging it right um but like i've gone back and watched uh guardians one and two and it's it's wonderful i also don't think um and again i have done uh i looked into this a while ago i don't know what he said from the past of this but the uh the the, the church he is uh under is affiliated with mm -hmm. a uh, ministry or something that is very anti-LGBTQ, which is kind of shitbox. Right. So I, I'm not like excited for, and again, I don't think he has any ill will personally uh, mm -hmm. against those people. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. But uh, email us in only with podcast at gmail.com if you are Chris Pratt. Um, <laughs> and I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm no longer, and again, I don't dislike Chris Pratt. I'm right. no longer excited because I feel like Holly, and maybe, you know what? Maybe it's not even his fault. Right. It could just be because like, like, the dudes put in fucking everything. And like, um, lately anyway, hmm. like The Rock, mm -hmm. he's the same guy in everything. <laughs> and I don't really see that as Mario. Granted, Mario is a super blank canvas, right? right. Like, because in the games, he has, a, he's just a jovial, energetic dude. Jovial, um, but so, like, when you have. Dude. When you have the chance to take a blank slate and do something really fun with it, mm -hmm. now you're kind of filling it with another blank slate, <laughs> and I'm just sort of like, okay, right, cool. Uh, the rest, I mean, I don't know. I, I I think the movie looks fun. The Illumination folks, that's who did it, right? Yeah, they uh, did um, the Minions movies, right? They do Minions. I mean, yeah. I'm not a fan of Minions, but I think they do really good work. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, uh, it's interesting that you kind of brought that up because I think that'll actually play into our conversation about Marilyn and some to some sure. extent as well. Um, you know, but I, as I say, I always kind of remembered my brother uh, saying this thing, you know, like, uh, it, you know, if you go back and listen to the music, the music is still the same. It's us who have changed uh, and our perceptions have changed. The weird thing is, though, the type of performances that Chris Pratt used to do don't happen anymore. 
So it's right. not us that's changed. It's him that's changed or the roles he's taken or the the veneer or the uh, persona he wants to uh, do or the work he chooses. That has changed. Okay. Um, I think if he went back and, and he was passionate and wanted to do those those things, I think I would feel pretty strongly about those roles. I'd like them. Okay. Um, but like when you're doing like the terminal know, we list and the tomorrow war and uh, you know like i'm just like all right cool 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 cool, cool. also just remember it moves in waves like i mean you think about nicholas cage's career for example and how sure you know there's a whole period of nicholas cage's career which we are completely indifferent to and felt that there was a cage overload and then suddenly we have kind of turned the tides on nicholas cage um remember in tom cruise's career for example there was a huge huge part of the early 90s uh 2000s where people just kind of accused him of just doing the same role every time in every mm -hmm. movie um, and people felt that his action movies were bland particularly his Mission Impossible movies um, and then now that that tide has changed and and become like you know the reason to celebrate uh, the man um, you know Sylvester Stallone you know going through a little bit of a renaissance as well you know pe you know th these things all move in waves um, so well, I'm waiting for the wave to come back to being excited about him okay <laughs> I, I'm I'm just suggesting that it will. <laughs> it inevitably will. I, I bet and, you it will. Yeah, because because society and I, you and I both in it uh, does <laughs> love uh, when we get sick of people and when we remember <laughs> that people are cool. Right. That's pretty much the entirety of the celebrity uh, tide. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now, I'm and and. and I'm just not terribly excited for him to be Mario. Okay, no, no. fair enough. I, I was I recall uh, his performance as the voice of uh, the the central brick character in, Le yep. in the Lego movie. It was wonderful. Great. I thought it was fantastic. Yep. Um, so you know, uh, yeah. Um, shall we? After much delay, I think it's been three or four weeks of delay, uh, talk about Andrew Dominic's film Blonde, which is causing much the controversy on the internet. Could you tell us what Blonde is about first I off? I can. Okay. And first and foremost, one of my absolute favorite IMDb descriptions of a film. Okay. A fictionalized chronicle of the inner life of Marilyn Monroe. Okay, fair. That's good. Good. I am so goddamn happy. Really? That the word a fiction a fictionalized chronicle yeah. is in the front and center of this movie. This is a movie whether we like it or not that does not shy away from the fact that it is tr like it's it's not telling you the truth right uh it's and now now that so great hooray mm -hmm. that brings into question then why <laughs> yeah the truthiness of it all well no but like <laughs> why do this th are, we're we're assuming we're assuming uh, the mental state and inner thoughts of a real person and then making a movie about it, which right. I guess is, like, fine. Yeah. But, like, I I'm wondering, like, where... I mean, I know this was a novel, of course, before. Um, it's just, like interesting right yeah yeah it is and um you know to, to 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 sort of make that point a little bit clearer this is based on a joyce carol oates novel uh called blonde uh which uh was printed i think in the early 2000s uh to much acclaim uh and in this new york times review uh oates uh acknowledges that she has compressed monroe's numerous lovers medical crises abortions suicide attempts and screen performances performances into a selected symbolic few um the aim however of uh Joyce Carol Oates' novel was not to be absolutely authentic to the experience of, of Marilyn Monroe, but to represent uh, perhaps symbolically what Marilyn Monroe represented to the audience. And I think that's an interesting thing because I think that has actually been catching people off guard about what this film is, and, and for, for good reason as to why it's catching people off guard. 
Um, I was, of course, excited to see this movie because I am a big fan of Andrew Dominic. His was film, uh, you know, he's, of course, a New Zealander uh, who worked uh, primarily in Australia before moving to the United States or working in the United States. Uh, his film Chopper, I think, is extraordinary and Eric, uh, really amazing Eric Bana performance in that film, plus some pretty, pretty extraordinary uh, filmmaking techniques in that film. And then his follow-up film, which, you know, again, many years in between uh, the assassination of J.C. James by the coward Robert Ford, which is a film that we've discussed on this podcast, is one of my yep. absolute favorites films of all time and an absolutely hypnotic experience of a movie I did feel that Killing Them Softly was a film that um, wore its theme on its sleeve just a little too heavily for me and um, despite being a pretty amazingly made gangster film um, was just a little too pointed about its uh, critique of capitalism and so it didn't quite work for me but it is a movie I kind of find myself revisiting from time to time to kind of think about it and rewatch it and just see if it plays in different ways and it, you know honestly it really does every time and that's kind of the amazing thing about the quality of his movies which is why I'd be interested to see Blonde uh, again he but, also did some really good episodes of Mindhunter and he did do some episodes of Mindhunter probably uh, I think a couple of the, the really great ones alongside David Fincher mm-hmm. um, so I was excited for this film for that reason and that reason alone. And I'm very, very curious to follow the the career of uh, Andrew Dominic. Matt, uh, you were pitching for this movie. Can you tell me what you what you were excited about for? Yeah, I was excited about it because I know nothing. And this is why I think you'll find I was a little bit disappointed with it uh, mm. for about a couple of different reasons. I don't, I don't know anything about Marilyn Monroe. Right. I know she existed. I know she was in movies. I know there was a sewer grate, and that's it. Right. And that's reductive, and I wish I wanted to know more. I was like, oh, okay, cool. This will at least give me the broad strokes right. of of uh, this icon's this icon's life. Of course. Um, and I guess it did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and to be honest, uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford is a really fucking good movie. And I was like, ooh. Right. I, these two tastes feel like they could go great together. Right. Um, and this... Uh, it's weird. After watching the film, uh, I was v- very sad and tired. Okay. <laughs> but uh, saddened by the content and then tired by the duration? Uh, sure. Uh, I, I think if we're looking at like a purely um, aesthetical... Uh, reading like mm-hmm. I think it's made very well, mm-hmm. though it finds ways to turn like like I like the uh, the tra- the transition game of this film is completely on point. Right, like moving uh, between scenes. I think there was one like over the course of bed sheets that turned into a waterfall or something, yeah, and like film Niagara. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there was a, a whole bunch more, mm-hmm. but also. Many of the shots and 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 scenes felt just like they were, like they were uncomfortable for uncomfortable sake. Right. Um. And I I I like when films play with your expectations and your emotions and put you into uncomfortable places, but this was roughly two hours and forty five minutes of uncomfortable places. Right. Like, and I, what I was what I found was missing was like. I still have no idea who Marilyn Monroe was. Right. Like, and I spent two and a half hours in this fictionalized world, like, and like, I know the traumas that she went through or that the movie posits that she was experiencing as in a conglomeration of multiple elements of her life, yada, 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 yada. But like, I have no better idea 
who this person was. The thing, this is what gets me the most. Okay. And I, I know this from watching Izzy's uh, uh, video and also a couple other places after, you know, uh, doing some research afterward. She apparently was hyper funny. Like she was just a really yeah, a funny comedian. person. Yeah. And everyone in this movie says things like, oh, Marilyn, you're so funny or she's so funny. And we never see her be funny. Right. And I'm like, okay, so we're just doing the tortured side. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, and two hours and 45 minutes of that, even artfully shot, is long. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't have a bad time, per se, watching it, but I think I did. Like, I, like in the moment, I was like, fine. And afterward, I was like, ugh. Yeah. Uh, what about you? How did how did it how did it strike you on the on the Shahir side of the equation? <laughs> so the uh, the on the Shahir scale, um, there are uh, you know to get it out of the way. I think on the knit uh, the knit equation of this in terms of how I felt about it was knit positive. Okay. However, that's a very thin knit that we're talking about here. Is it Sandra Bullock's The Net? It it is not Sandra Bullock's The Net. It is not that technologically advanced, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, It is based upon the highs and lows with which this film goes. And I want to explain them in some detail because I think what I actually like about this movie is that it is a movie that demands discussion as opposed to a rating or just a, you know, I like it and I didn't like it thing. I I actually don't think this movie kind of fits that categorization very well. I think it's a movie that actually forces you to sit and have a conversation about what you just experienced. In many ways, it can feel punishing. It feels like a very punishing film to watch. Um, And it is brutal at times. It's also, as you mentioned, exquisitely gorgeous. Like, it is just a beautiful movie to look at. Um, I think um, they take their cues from um, recreating several of uh, Monroe's actual films and also recreating the the sort of photographic style of those films, the photographic um, style of the actual era. Um, And it's to dazzling effect. The uh, cinematographer was uh, Chase Irving, by the way, uh, who has uh, previously shot films like Hannah, um, and uh, Beyonce's Lemonade, so a really uh, astute cinematographer, uh, and and you know, and Dominic himself is a is a really uh, provocative image maker, I think. Um, so there was this thing about it, which is that I it was a punishing two hour and forty seven minutes to watch, um, but at no point was I bored by the two hours and forty seven yeah. minutes that I actually watched. In fact, in many times I was really engaged with what I was watching. It- now. That's the thing. It's not boring. Oh no, not at all. It's not exhausting. A, I, I, I think it's. I think it's. It's. A, it's, a, it's an absolutely punishing movie, yeah. and and very difficult to watch. And I would a hundred percent be. You know, there is a lot of calls on the internet uh, for you know saying people saying this is the worst movie they've ever seen in their lives, and I and mean, you I, know thinking it's terrible and that it should never have been made. And it they is have an, not seen jujitsu. And it is an offensive movie on many on many fronts. And I actually I would not disagree with those people. I think, however. Um, so, so I actually, again, I found it mesmerizing. I think Anna de Armas's performance at the center of it is very hauntingly beautiful. Um, unfortunately for me on first viewing, and this is a film that I actually would want to watch again, uh, not, not anytime soon, but I would want to revisit it. Uh, is it kind of reminded me of when I watched, uh, Pia Paolo's, uh, Pazzaloni's film Salo, which I don't know if you've ever seen Salo, 
Uh, not. Or not. It is an uh, Italian film about the end of fascism that is basically where a, uh, a group of uh, Italian fascists uh, retreat up into like this sort of uh, country manor and they take a bunch of young students with them. And the movie is basically just them torturing these students in more increasingly sadistic ways uh, in, a, in a sort of... And it's brutal and, and, and you sort of wonder what the point of it is because it doesn't reach a sort of unending, you know, like a sort of thematic conclusion about it it's just an escalation of grotesque and i mean grotesque the salo is probably one of the uh the most grotesque movies i've ever watched in my life uh, you know phys- it makes me physically ill to watch that movie but it's a movie that points out that fascism was uh, and the evaporation of fascism was the uh, was a series of escalating tortures and that's kind of what the movie is kind of talking about and in many ways what Blonde is um, suggesting is that is that Marilyn Monroe's celebrity was a series of unending uh, tortures and an unending uh, brutality on her person and and it caused this kind of really interesting ripple effect between her and Norma Jean, uh, you know the identity of Marilyn Monroe and and of Norma Jean. I think that's an interesting take, not not particularly novel, um, but you know, like has has obviously has merit to it and sort of it sort of works in almost the same. Um, way that um, the assassination of Jesse James kind of you know skewers um, the idea of celebrity um, and, and the people that that want to attain celebrity. Um, unfortunately, there's what I think. So at best, I think the film is hypnotic and beautiful. At worst, I also think it's deeply misguided and uninteresting in what it has to say about Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, and because I think it says the, it says the same thing over, over and, and over and over and over and I, over. I again. don't think that that is necessarily a problem. What I think isn't what I what what for me is a sort of problem is the aesthetic choice to recreate Marilyn Monroe's career through these sort of extended beautiful techniques of like both you know recreating moments and also like um, creating them in a in a sort of heightened beautiful way. I think there's an interesting thing here, which is that for the audience, the division between Marilyn Monroe, the real person, and Marilyn Monroe as presented in this film will be a difficult hurdle to kind of navigate if you're unaware of the kind of book that this is coming from, where it's taking the symbolic idea of Marilyn Monroe and, and, and playing with the symbolic idea of Marilyn Monroe. I think that I think that that is actually particularly challenging. And and one of the things that's also really challenging about that performance, or not that performance, but that actual storytelling that happens in this film, is that it is also deeply... There's a deeply sort of ingrained misogyny about the way in which Marilyn is portrayed in this film, in so much as she doesn't... The character itself doesn't seem to have much of an, you know, for a film that sort of purports to symbolically extrapolate the inner life of Marilyn Monroe, which is what Joyce Carol Oates' book did. It's a film that kind of deeply internalizes Mar- or deeply reduces Marilyn to only the victim of trauma to the point where she is sort of only walking around, you know, reacting to trauma happening to her. And that in itself feels very like overly reductive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does it across. Well, that's what I meant. That's what I meant by it's literally the same thing over and over and over again. I, I mean, there's and and this is why I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna flip flop back and forth on this because I because I think the film merits a sort of a lengthy discussion. Yeah. Is that I also think that that is also true 
to the way in which we perceive Marilyn Monroe. And I think, and I think you know, the way you was kind of, we were kind of just talking about Chris Pratt and, you know, like, out of, uh, you know, the way we were sort of talking about the, the relationship between his celebrity and the audience and the way that changes over time and the way we respond and reject and respond and reject, I think is true to the kind of way in which Marilyn uh, in this film kind of responds and rejects to her celebrity and her fame. I, I, think, I think there's something in that. Now, again... I also think that, you know, Killing Them Softly, despite being very beautiful, was one that just kind of like wore its theme on its sleeve a little too heavy for me and not in a sort of subtle way. And I think the point that that Dominic is making here with the adaptation gets muddied by the way in which he is recreating these moments. Um, But they're also exquisitely beautiful. And they're also like, there's much to mine here. Sure. This movie, though, from a structure standpoint, it feels like a bunch of really beautifully shot visuals and pieces that like the filmmakers, the team, not just Andrew Dominic, but the, the the I'd say the team in general. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like kind of got it, it feels like a movie to me that got lost in the forest through the trees. Like it it, it like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on, but at the end of the day, when you look at it as a cohesive whole, what is it trying to do? Right. So I want let's break down sort of what what the, the the two things that you said, which I actually feel like I think are kind of at odds with one another okay. as far as the purposes, not what you said, yep. but but you brought up different like meanings of why the, the movie exists or what right. the point was. One is to hold the mirror up to um, like, uh, you know, our original, the, the, the Hollywood, what I know in my mind before this movie, the singular image of Marilyn Monroe in that way. Mm-hmm. Now here's another singular image of Marilyn Monroe to maybe be like, aha, it possibly isn't just this simple, even though it's two hours and 45 minutes of it being portrayed as that simple. Just a a flip side of it. Or it's the fictionalized sort of like, like the the, the novel-esque read of like, well, this is like the, the, the emotional, like, like this is what we're imagining is in her head. Hmm. And like, I don't think, and I think the movie's kind of maybe trying to do both, but also it's not doing either terribly well. I think, I think in moments it does each very, very well. Like, for example, uh, when Marilyn meets uh, the playwright, uh, who you know is uh, played by um, uh, Adrian Brody, and is obviously a uh, representation of Arthur Miller, whom she, who Marilyn, well, he is Arthur Miller in the movie, uh, uh, who whom uh, she married. Uh, I actually think that that scene really, really works to highlight that Marilyn was intelligent and was well read and and very thoughtful about her performances. And this is something that Izzy kind of points out in BK uh, in, in her videos about her is that, and, and and something that I actually don't think is very well portrayed in the film is that Marilyn was a pioneer in terms of like getting herself the kind of work that she wanted to get mm-hmm. and f- and and you know finding ways in order to be taken seriously as an actress beyond the persona that she had been publicly given um and and I think there are moments in which the movie is also tragic in that sense when they when they're sort of recreating some like it hot and Marilyn has to um you know uh play with an ice pick and, and sort of say well you know most people think I'm dumb but do you know what that mean you know what that actually means and she has this sort of beautiful soliloquy about it the double layer of that between what she's experiencing in the what the, the the fictionalized Marilyn in the film is experiencing versus what that character is experiencing. I think I think it's it's really interesting material that's playing. Unfortunately, as you kind of say, and what it reminded me a little bit of is that um, 
and this is coming from you know from teaching film school um oddly was that like you know when we taught production you would have these filmmakers you know people come in young filmmakers um and i you know certainly was one of them myself at one point i would still you know categorize myself as a young filmmaker who have um a greater sense of uh, you know wanting to expose philosophy wanting to expose film as a philosophical act mm-hmm. and i think this film was wanting to espouse the process of making film as a philosophical act. I'm not exactly sure that philosophical act is clear. And I'm yeah, sn- philosophy is only as good as how clear it is. Because if you can't get your idea across, then your idea is not going to be understood, and therefore it's going to die on the vine. Well, like, but but also philosophy is in, internally, you know, uh, is a navigation of how the world works and is therefore complex. And right, some, but, you know, like some ex- extrapolation of philosophy takes time in order to gestate well. Good philosophy takes very complex things and makes it, in pieces, of course, easily digestible over the course of time using example and uh, uh, and sort of things along those lines to get ideas across and hopefully change the way you think about the world. And I think in two hours and 45 minutes, they would have been able to get that across to me in a certain way, and it didn't. But, and but, I, and I, have an, I have a theory why. Not that it's not, not that elements of it are not skillful, and not that uh, the, the scenes in in uh, a vacuum, the the scene where she meets Arthur Miller, or she, they're talking over coffee, and he knows she knows something about the character that he wrote that he didn't know. Right. Like that's a super moving moment. Yeah. But it's sandwiched between forty minutes of tragedy, and like it, it, it gets to the point where like, and maybe this is the point. If the point is numbness. Mm. Then, then you're you're great. That that got across, I guess. But you're losing those smaller moments, like other than getting into deep conversations about them. Like you're not deli- if there's philosophy here. That's not based on just trying to make someone live a extended amount of trauma, or experiencing it uh, vicariously on film. Then the philosophy is being lost. Like well, I I think the problem it's not so much that. I think there is an there is an extended work here to to depict both Marilyn as someone having a sort of tortured inner life in amongst a, a very um, difficult public life. You know, like we see how how difficult it is when she becomes addicted to drugs, um, and how and how challenging it is to actually deal with the the way in which people only respond to her as the blonde, vivacious six pot. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I think though that there is a really the problem is is that at times. While the film is rapturously beautiful, it is also at times unrelentingly silly, and and that's just this is really challenging thing. When Marilyn is talking to uh, a, a, what should be a zygote, but is essentially depicted as like an almost full-grown fetus, like there's nothing you can do but look at that scene and kind of laugh at how silly it is, and it doesn't come across as knowingly silly. And that's the that's kind of the problem with it at times. And in fact, that like when people are offended at this film for things like that, uh, including um, you know like uh, a camera that is uh, absolutely willing to be in the in all places at all times, including at the bottom of a toilet when Marilyn Monroe throws up in it, and also um, uh, in between her legs as an abortion is being performed on her. Um, there is a sort of sense of like, what is the the philosophical taste that is happening here that makes these scenes fit within the context of understanding Marilyn's celebrity? And but then it it veneers as well because then the parent like so, you know, and, and then I think the real challenge here as well is that 
Joyce Carol Oates's book is a is a work of literature adapting a film star's celebrity into a work of literature to try and find their inner life. It's fan fiction. This is a film that takes that fan fiction and brings it to life with an incredible degree of verisimilitude to the actual images that it brings that, that that she's talking about. So in a way, that that leap of imagination that the audience takes with the book is very different than the leap of imagination that the that the audience who's watching this film has to do. Because yes. it's really hard if you're not well versed or or even thinking about the distinction between reality and fiction. To to watch this not as um, you know even though Netflix has put a fictionalized biopic a fi- fictionalized description it's really hard to watch this and not go oh is that what happened to Marilyn Monroe yeah, yeah you know yeah, like yeah, is yeah. that oh is the, oh did John F Kennedy actually do that to her it's like was people stalk did like was she kidnapped in the middle of the night and and had an abortion performed on her against her will by what we presume is the president's henchman is that what happened you know like it's really hard to to figure out those lines. And, like, I think it's on the audience, you know, on us to kind of, like, play with that because I do think, you know, the source material is very clearly saying that that's the case. It's just that we're, we're, we sort of, the source material took one step away from the from the original source, which is Marilyn Monroe, the person, the, the photographically, the, the photographed person. And then this adaptation of that source material takes us one half step back towards those images and it's and then that sort of like distinction gets really really interesting i am of the opinion that it is a worthwhile exercise and it is a and i again took value in seeing it i do also a thousand percent understand why people will be upset at this movie yeah i mean i um I think it's weird. Okay. It's an interesting exercise to watch mm. that you can you can mine a few things from it that I think are beyond the criticisms that we've laid. And there's moments, there's actually a few moments of genius. To be perfectly honest, the first 20 minutes of this movie were my favorite. Yeah. I thought oh, it was like really, really moving and terrifying and... Um, and just like kind of like just the scariest kind of thing, right? Like yeah. a child with a, a, a mentally unwell parent yeah. that there's no thing and like finally getting away. But then, you know, having to go to an orphanage because the kind neighbors can't take over, can't yeah. take a daughter or won't take a daughter. Yeah. Um, Not quite how it happened in real life, but, you know, heartbreaking nonetheless. Sure. I mean, we could go, <laughs> look, I, I don't think we're going to do anyone any favors by being like this. We're not going to Jonathan Frakes this. And I think that's not necessarily the mistake, but the, 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 the problem of the way in which the film is made that that it creates, right? Like in that people will compare it to like real life. Oh, yeah, sure. But that's, yeah. I guess, you know, that's yeah. people's problem. Um, regardless of, let's say it's all fake or all true or whatever, the whatever, it's, a lot of it's fake. Um I, you know me, I love my cooking analogies. Um, this movie looked at the spice rack and went, oh man, cayenne pepper's great. It's like, oh, you can make so much stuff, you can really kick it up a notch, and then people are like, whoa, 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 but what if we made a whole casserole out of cayenne pepper? And you're like, ah, uh, that's probably not a, oh, oh, okay, let's see what happens when you have... A two hours and 45 minute cayenne pepper casserole. And what happens is your taste buds get burnt out 
And then when there's little nuggets of deliciousness throughout the thing, at least for me, I had a real hard time glomming onto that because I knew another big old chunk of cayenne pepper was coming right down the gullet right afterward. It in, was in this analogy is cayenne pepper uh, baby fetus scenes. Well, I mean, again, I just I equate that into tragedy. Like there's silly stuff too, but right. like even so, is cayenne pepper tragedy? Yeah, like yeah, like <laughs> even even the baby scenes, like you're right, they're silly as hell. I I was unable to even laugh at the movie. Not right. with it, because I don't think it's doing it for a gag. Mm. I was just like, are we are we fucking doing this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, and there, yeah, there's a part of you that kind of wonders if it's misguided. But I but I the only part of that analogy that I don't um, I don't think it works in this situation is that this is made by a master chef, and the master chef has got degrees of complexity in it and i actually applaud the innovation and skill at which that this is being made i do agree it's there are parts of it that are ridiculous like sometimes you go to a live in madison or a restaurant like that where they'll serve you like uh you know it is like dumb it is dumb. yeah parmesan cheese donuts or something you know like something like that and you're like what the fuck but at the same time you also kind of have to go well this is someone who kind of knows uh, or, or has a has a degree of craftsmanship about what they do that allows them to make those kinds of silly decisions and still be like, well, at least they, I'm 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 OK with with people trying things. Sure. I'm OK with people trying things. Yeah. Uh, the cayenne pepper experiment didn't work. And I would equate. So more like you're talking about like the master craftsman. Mm. I'm going to say that this is like a five star restaurant master mm. craftsman that decided to make something made entirely out of cayenne pepper. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you you decided to do that and you know what you're doing, but this doesn't work for me. And that's fine. My my point here that I actually like about it, again, is I would 100% want filmmakers to take this kind of, like, swing at material. And I want filmmakers to, like, like the what I like, like, despite me thinking that this is a misfire, and I do think it is a misfire, I also kind of like the misfire, and I like that it was like a unique misfire, and I like that this particular kind of movie is generating a conversation. You know what sure. I mean? Sure. I, I like I like uh, all the actors involved. I think the filmmaking technique is really interesting, uh, and uh, the uh, again, I have to because it just kept coming back to it. The transition game is on point. Like uh, when she goes to the bathroom on the plane, and it's an audience, and she comes back, and like just like moments like that are just striking. Mm. But like the problem I'm getting is, granted, I can't think of an example in all one film right now, but I can get all of the things I just described in other movies that also don't burn out my emotional taste buds. Over the course of its runtime, like and 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 I'm okay dealing with difficult or 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 painful films. The issue is how that is presented to be effective and not numbing. Unless right. the idea, unless the point, which I don't think it was, was to numb. Right. I don't think that was the point. I think the fetus scenes, in a weird way kind of prove that it wasn't the point right like they were so into this idea that i truly think they thought that would be emo like those would be emotionally resonant moments for the audience and right. maybe it is for some people but I, the generalized reviews have not been kind specifically to th those moments yeah um so like I, I love people taking swings 
is a really big swing. And they take a couple of them, but like they do it exactly the same. <laughs> well, my point, I guess my point here is that I would rather, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of movies I would rather spend less time with that we watch than this one that are far more successful at what they do. And I Can you give an example. Like, I'll be honest with you, a lot of the superhero movies we do, a lot of like the generic action movies we do, I I'm, you know, like yeah, they they're very good at what they do and they're inter- you know, like and sure. usually they're exquisitely made and and what have you. Well, but I kind of like I wa- I I want to spend, you know, like I like that this exists. And I like that this is I'm not the, mad that this exists. And, and this I is like just and I like that this generates me. a conversation. And I and I actually like the sort of visual panache of this all along with some of the actual um the attempts to do things here i'll tell you what my biggest beef with this film is well my biggest actual like where i go actually this was a really misguided where is the beef where is the beef here the beef of this movie is the capaccio in this whole sandwich or salad or whatever the gabagool the gabagool in this is that there is a part where i watch this and go you know i really despite me thinking that that there's there's no part of me that ever says you should stay in your lane uh or 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 uh, you know like only do what you do kind of thing and don't try to jump into topics that you're unaware of but there's a part of me that goes this is a movie about marilyn monroe a female icon of the 21st century um, that is about the inner trauma of this woman living through an incredibly sexist period of, you know, well, actually, all of Hollywood is, is definitively sexist. But but where I go, you know, there's a part of me that goes, I really, really think this should have been made by a woman. And it's just, and it's just like... And you can tell it's not. And, you can, and there's a part of me that just goes... Again, I don't ever want to say stay in your lane and you shouldn't do this or, or what have you. But there's just a real part of me that just goes, you know, this is one of those cases where I think the the sort of silliness of 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 uh, uh, fetuses talking to their mothers is something that may may intrinsically. And again, I'm about to direct a movie about a woman uh, and about a woman, uh, you know, like dealing with what it means to be a, a professional woman. And, and it, you know, it terrifies me because I watch a film like this and go, maybe I'm just, I shouldn't do it. You know what I mean? So I'm not, I, again, not suggesting that it shouldn't be done. But, but like, I, you're, 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 I mean, I, I don't know the, the, the breadth of the film or anything that you're describing, but, like, you're talking to people about it, right? Like you're, of you're, am, you're but, doing research. And, and I'm, you're, cert- I'm fairly certain that Andrew Dominic is not is not the kind of person who's like swinging around saying this is how it is. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? but you're also not. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying there's a part of me that watches the end result and goes, in this particular case, I might have uh, I might have opted to see a female take on this. You know, like um, I think one of the greatest, uh, expo- but but you know, contrary, I think one of the greatest explorations of um, of uh, masculinity is uh, Mary Harron's film uh, American Psycho. I think that is an exquisite take on what it means to be what it means to be a man. Well, because it's a look a it's, it's a look at that from the eyes of the people that it hurts the most. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and 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 then again we are talking about the sort of like in the in the last couple of years the problem the problem has been multiplied by the fact that that Pablo Loran has directed two films about the inner lives of very famous women, uh, Jackie O and uh, Princess Diana, uh, you know, both in Jackie and Spencer. And so there's this kind of repeated motif of like 
the sexually fractured lives of famous women who have to deal with celebrity. And it's like, it just, you know, there's there's a part of me that goes, oh, I kind of just want to see the female take on this, you know, because I, what, again, what I think... Dominic is more than capable a filmmaker to deal with this. Um, there's this, it, it's just like that is maybe the inherent problem in the film. Uh, um, well. That's one of them. The yeah. other one is it, it's grading. Like what, it's, color it's grading? a it, what? Oh, it, no, no, it's oh, grading, no, no. <laughs> not color grading. <laughs> yes, it's color grading it's all all over the map. No yeah. point there. No, of course there is. There again, like Ashir has said, they're trying to duplicate yeah. uh, times, but in also films. framing in odd ways as well. Like there was there was times where there was like nine by sixteen frames on screen, and I was like, yeah. "Whoa, we're we talking about TikTok here, baby." I mean, th- yeah. The, the interesting thing is, I like <clears throat> this is how I say about that. Yeah. I know. That every change in film style, color grading, aspect ratio had a point. Right. I uh, know that. But no, hold on, hold on. It maybe did, it, maybe hold on. Let me, let me, let me yeah. finish. Yeah. I know that there's a point because, again, as we've stated, master craftsmen. Mm-hmm. However, I could not identify the points as quickly as they were happening. And after a while, I became numb, and I didn't even notice. I was like, cool, 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 cool. Oh, is it tragedy and and washed out, like, telecolor now? It's cool. Uh, Oh, we're moving now back to black and white. Is this supposed to be a movie or a dream? Who the fuck knows? No? Okay. Like, it's, it's, it's so all over the place in that that I was just, again, I was numb to it. And, again, the only things that snapped me out were... The transitions. <laughs> the transitions because they felt like pieces of art. They felt like installation pieces at the MoMA. Like mm. they felt like they were that beautiful and gorgeous. Yeah. And you and I never saw them coming. Yeah. And and they were smooth as fuck. Like I I th- those are the moments in the movie other than the the beginning when she's a child mm. that like I thought just worked so well, but then I found myself wishing there were more transitions because I was just beaten down uh, with the cayenne pepper mallet. There is a, there is an oppressive quality to this film, certainly in every case. And actually, it reminded me uh, as well of uh, around the time that Requiem for a Dream came out. Uh, you know, there was this idea. Uh, hang on, I'm looking up what the similar movie was. Uh, there was a movie that came out at the same time. Well, there was Train Spotting, Requiem for a Dream, but there was a there was another movie that came out that was kind of uh, really similar, but like way more aggressively oppressive. Um, mm. And I, I know Mina Suvari was in it. I actually can't remember the name of it real off the top of my head. Email us in onlymoviepodcast <laughs> well, at gmail.com. Actually, you'll I'm, win a prize. Actually, What's just, that prize? We'll make it up. I'm just gonna Google it as we're speaking right now. The prize <laughs> is, is Shahir Googles it. <laughs> um, I, I think there's this this idea, like there, there's this idea that you know, like films. That that cinema should be an endurance test and 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 somewhat of a um, uh, somewhat of a punishment in many ways, um, and you know I I I like like there are moments where I think it, the the movie was called Spun by the way and it sort of came out Whoa. at the same time as uh, Requiem for a Dream uh, about uh, meth addicts I believe or uh, drug addicts of some kind you know probably uh, without the kind of joyous fun of train spotting despite the oppressions that that movie had as well um and you know again i i'm not opposed to that idea i think movies can be punishing and can be endurance test and can be difficult um and you know should be in some ways and again i i sort of i kind of you know like that that this is a filmmaker that has that sort of uh, approach to cinema in, in many ways 
does not work. I, I, I agree. You, you know, again, there are moments that I thought were sort of laughably silly. Because it can't, I agree with your point of movies uh, can and should be at times punishing and, and hard to endure and et cetera. But they can't just be that. Well, again, you got to watch Solo and maybe Requiem for a Dream again. And, and you know, like, like if you think about a movie like Mother, a movie about, about womanhood. But, uh, but you know what that movie does? <laughs> you know what that movie does around a shit ton of tragedy? Makes it interesting. Like, like it, 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 and, and interesting might be the wrong word. It makes it, it adds other pieces to the, the casserole. It, 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 it also takes, has you, a it much... takes you out of the point. Like it, 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 it uses other types of emotions <laughs> to make the tragedy hit harder. I, I think I think actually not that's not the case. I think I think I think Mother is a fairly punishing movie, but again, also an incredibly successful movie in our in our in our discussion of it. Incredibly punishing, but but, but I, I admit, this movie but, made but me want to go back and watch that and sort of analyze more why well, think, that works and this doesn't. Well, me. I think again, Mother uh, Mother has a great relationship to its fictionalized text, which is that it is a playful. It is playing with the with the creation mythologies that and, and fictionalizing them and very clearly fictionalizing them. I think the lines that that, that that blonde kind of starts playing with gets a little messy and at times gets really silly. Like, again, Marilyn Monroe driving down the street hysterically crying while seeing images of dads uh, playing with their children who all look like, the, you know, the fictionalized dad that she has is sort of funny as opposed to tragic and and is a little silly when you watch it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a... It's a, it's a uh, occurrence too of its constant tone yeah like i i and mother for for as difficult as that film's uh you know story and what happens uh is it manages to abate that with with almost like um you know what it might be here's here's something interesting in mother the entirety of the thing of the the whole thing of all the tragedy is you don't quite know what's going to happen next Right. And so you are always hoping for something better or hoping for it depends on the person you are hoping for something really weird or twisted or bad, you know, like whatever it is. But you never know. After a half hour of this movie, I knew exactly what was coming next outside of the cool transition. Like yeah. I just did. And, well, and that's I, not to say that you can't have movies that has that to be expected. But like it's all of these things we're talking about. <laughs> Any movie that's just doing one of these sort of missteps, I feel like is like, oh, OK, well, cool. Yeah, whatever. But this is so many things. Real person highly fictionalized in their life. OK, that's going to get people weirded out. OK, kind of silly swings you take about uh, either fetuses or crying at the faces of fathers or whatever. Like, all right, neat, neat, neat. And then two hours and 40 minutes of just taking the elements of a real woman's life and tragedy and whatever and being like yeah you want to experience all that with no joy or levity moved between it at all like all of those things together mm. don't work it, it it's 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 like it's yeah i i, I, I wanted I, and i wanted i wanted yeah to like this movie <laughs> i i sat with it for a minute i i let the full credits roll and i sat there right and i was like what am i gonna say <laughs> here i am three weeks in promising a review of blonde i was very excited for this movie <laughs> And I was just like, I'm gonna shit on this. Uh, that's not a fun feeling. I well, what's interesting about that is that I uh, I watched it post all the sort of negativity that had come out about it. So all the negativity about like, hey, you know, like, and and the thing is, the negativity was was really aimed at like, this is a bad movie. And the problem with that, what I think when people are just sort of redu reducing it down to this is a good or a bad movie, is that 
is that the version that they might be wanting of this movie is also a bad movie. Oh, you know sure. what I mean? You know, like I don't the think version, it's a bad movie. The version that is a, that is the simplified version of this might just be a pretty bad movie. Whereas I think this is at least an interesting bad movie. Or I actually, I, I don't even, I'm sorry, I, I, I shouldn't have said that word because I, I actually don't think it's a bad movie at all. It's not. I think it's a really, it's got a really unique place in our culture and I think it's got a really unique place in the breadth of cinema. And I think, and I think again, like we talked a little bit last week about how, you know, Athena, uh, the Roman, Roman Grabris film, is a portrait of misery that is just perpetually falling downhill. And it uh, works. And it works. Um, and, and, and there was a sort of a sadness that I had that, that I knew that in many ways, because uh, the fact that this is attached to Marilyn Monroe's celebrity, that this movie would, would essentially drown out the conversation about Athena. And it, and, and, it, and it really has. You know, there is not much conversation about Athena, uh, a movie that I think deserve, warrants a lot of uh, attention and conversation. Um, but at the same time, I also think that this is a very smartly crafted movie by someone who... It's not though. That's I think it's the is. thing. It's I think not it is smartly crafted. But, but here's what. Here's a, no, no. Here's the difference. I think it's smartly crafted. At its worst, it's awfully misguided. That that's the but difference. But isn't isn't the very fact that it's awfully misguided meaning that the, the the craft is not like so like you could make a perfect machine that's built not to work. Like I don't sure. think, I don't think you, it's not the, it's built not to work. I think the case I is is, the, is that fu- at the fundamental core of what this movie is. I, and like it, it actually it has very little to do, in my opinion, with the writing, the screen direction, the way it's actually put together. Other than I think some scenes are pretty silly. I think it has to do with like how do we take the translation of a fictionalized version of a real person and then put it back into another fictionalized version that is using photographic images. Uh, you know, I think that is like but there's that, a, there's an element to that that is misguided. Well, yeah, but you have to think about it. If the foundation is misguided and weird and broken, then the whole thing's going to be weird and broken. You think about like for whatever. But reason, here's the thing. Wait, hold on, let me talk. I when, like when you, watching it. I well, like that it exists, and I also like that I would like if this was an arc, a piece of architecture, for example. I'm so glad you brought up architecture. I would like to walk past this piece of architecture and go that was a really fucking weird building you know i am so glad you brought up architecture because when you made your last point yeah. about like having the the thing the basis of this thing be flawed and then that's why it inevitably is flawed the example that came to my head is from monty python and the holy grail with okay. the son and the father in the castle and they're talking about their history like the well, i built the castle in this swamp then it sank into the swamp so i built the second one and then that one sank in the swamp but the third one stayed up it's like it's like yes, you're building these beautiful things, but they're just sinking into the cayenne pepper casserole swamp. <laughs> and I'm gonna keep adding to this analogy because it's more interesting than just calling this movie a, a miserable time. There's there's visual joys in the transitions to be had and the cinematography, but I think it is flawed from inception. No matter how good you craft a thing around it, it does not work. It is not a bad film. Mm. It is ineffectual. Because unless, unless the point, and maybe this is it, is to have conversations. But I think that's a sub point of every movie. Like you want people talking about your movies for one reason or another. I don't think the, I don't think the conversation that's being had is the conversation that they necessarily want. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a part of me that, uh, uh, who was I talking about last week? Um, 
We were talking about a fil- oh uh, I, uh, we were talking about Robert Eggers and uh, someone suggested you know like he might be in director's jail because of the the failure of the Northman and I was like no I don't no. I don't think the Northman is a is like a failure on the scale that that requires director's jail I, I no. think it's a sort of a different thing and you know uh, but I was like if Andrew Dominic goes to director's jail after <laughs> this movie I'm like eh, you know what take it bro you know like that was that's a the at least go to go out swinging, you know. Like this is this is a big like I would rather someone went for, to, to director's jail for something like this than for making an action movie that flopped or making you know which which is essentially what what uh, the Northman is. You know, it's like a a, a sort of big budget uh, Viking epic that kind of doesn't you know really land. Um, I get that. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I was just like, you know, I could see this. I understand when people don't like this movie. I understand when this film is like feels oppressive and not and not in a good way, and not not in a way that kind of creates meaning out of that oppression. There it is. Um, but but at the same time, I kind of like I I was not bored by the experience, and I thought the experience was was interesting and it it um was beautiful and it's anchored by a really great performance uh and the recreations are stunning and um the there was never a sense uh, you know the two hours and 47 minutes was not the two hours and 47 minutes was not an endurance test the endurance test was the the singular oppression of this woman and then and then on top of that now we can actually get into the like the ethical question of of should you like should you essentially be using a real person to fi- and re and fictionalizing the trauma, the real trauma that they actually went through, without the without the the successes that they had, or the or the greatness that they or had, or the consent, or the consent, or their consent? Yeah. So, um, uh, like you know, so, in, a, uh, in a way, no matter what this movie did, if it was a perfectly accurate re- uh, depiction of her life, or this movie, mm. uh without the and it's hard she has passed away of course right without consent you are essentially saying it's okay to spin the narrative of her life and if the point of this movie is to show how difficult Marilyn's life was because it was constantly being spun that's kind of fucked up well it's also like the I think the ethical question is is are you contributing to the continued exploitation of her character character yes um for the sake of the art that that's being made here I mean, uh, the truth is, yes, but the, th- this is the interesting thing. Mm. I would posit that the filmmakers and the people involved would say yes, but the benefit outweighs the badness of what they are doing. Right. And then I when we come back to that question, I'm like, well... I don't agree with that, but yeah. I think, I mean, <laughs> you, you can't look at this movie and its point of all of the exploitation that she went through and then realize you're watching all of the explo- exploitation that she went through and not have a meta-commentary in your head with the film being like, okay, but we're... Like I get it because like you want to show it, but you're showing it, and, and now we're a real participating person, in it, and now we're participating in the thing you're showing it. You're making it, and like, ooh, isn't that interesting? And yeah, it's interesting, but then how damaging is it? And could you have done it in a different way? Mm. Yes, you could have, not necessarily with Marilyn Monroe, but you can show this stuff in effective ways without having it be damaging. So you chose for it to be damaging because you thought the cayenne pepper would be stronger. Oh boy. <laughs> Again, I. I I wish no one who made this movie ill will. Mm. I, I I would actively, honestly feel bad about all of the the bad press and, and stuff that people are giving it. Because again, I I agree with you. I think this is the only place where we're, you and I are actually going to agree agree. Yeah. It's not a bad movie. Yeah. It's misguided. It's mm. ineffective. It's too much of one thing. And it's got great transitions. 
Um, that's it. That's what I got. I got yeah. nothing else. I wish I had more. I don't. That's I, it. I, I, I hope uh, we do get uh, a returning visit from Izzy at some point, and I hope uh, I, I would love to hear uh, her take on it. Uh, I also, uh, you know, just just you know, felt that this was also uh, a film uh, that I would love to watch with a much fuller understanding of the period like of the time of the movies sure. that she was in uh, you know like I've seen a few Marilyn Monroe movies I've seen Gentlemen Preferred Blondes I've seen some Like It Hot um, I think I've seen Niagara as well um, and I, but I also feel like it's not she's not you know like my um, my beginning of the understanding of the persona of Marilyn Monroe kind of begins with the with the poster of you know her standing on the on the subway grate um, yeah. yeah, so I, 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 I don't know how that plays. And, and you know how we talked about eating words as well, by the way, uh, at some point or, 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 or changing our opinions. What I've just come to realize at, at this second, as I was talking about how I would love, uh, Izzy's thoughts on the movie, sure. she's just emailed them in. So we could, we could put him in this episode. We should. We should n- put him at the end with no, let's go. Izzy have the final word yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because we didn't. I we lit- just pull a switcheroo. Uh, we just pulled a switcheroo because I literally in. I, in my email box zero minutes ago. Izzy just emailed so in, and I'm so excited fun. to hear. Thank you so much, Izzy. Please, everyone, go check out Be Kind Rewind on YouTube. It's a phenomenal YouTube channel. Izzy is a delight and has so many wonderful insights into cinema. Uh, and yes, please go check that out. You're going to hear him at the end of this episode. But anything else on anything else on blonde? I'm kind of I'm 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 kind of blonded out. All right. Well, this has been the only podcast about the film Blonde. Shahir, when you are not burning down a castle that falls over and then sinks into a swamp, where can folks find you? You can find me building uh, on all the moats at my website, www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are adding cayenne pepper to your macaroni and cheese, where can people find you? You can find me making all of the noodles out of cayenne pepper and the cheese out of cayenne pepper over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram and P-S-N and Emperor, M-S-K on Twitter. I had a, I had a weird tweet blow up today. Oh, yeah? What's uh, that? It's literally, it's a, it's a mini I painted from a board game from Critical Role, uh, mm. and I just painted it and put it in a nice set, and everyone seemed to like it. It was well, weird. Oh, did you? After the um, failure of your Tekken uh, tweets. I was so sad. I was so <laughs> sad about the Tekken tweets. Um, that's okay. Uh, yeah. Next week, Blonde. It's coming up. We're, we're going to be do doing it. Blonde next week, we're right? We're going to be like doing Blonde next week. <laughs> and every uh, week from and now on. every week <laughs> until the end of time. Uh, we're coming up on episode 400. Which is going to be Blonde. Which is also going to be Blonde. Yeah. And also live. We will <laughs> let you know where that is. Um... But I'm yeah. excited to hear this, to hear uh, Izzy's Me thoughts too. on the movie. Me too. All right. Well, uh, I guess if there's nothing else, we're going to let Izzy take it away, and then there's going to be nothing from us after, just the sweet, sweet ending music. So say goodnight to the people, Shahir. Good night, everybody. Good night, Izzy. Take it away. Hello, Shahir. Hello, Matt. I am so sorry that I couldn't join you tonight. I was originally planning on going to a concert with my parents, but then I got the opportunity to see Tar. And I abandoned my parents and they said, oh, you're abandoning us for Cape Blanchett. And I said, absolutely. And I do it again. Um, and I don't regret it. Holy shit. Tar was amazing. Um, wow. Very different experience for me than watching Blonde. 
And what a segue that was into my feelings on Andrew Dominic's 2022 film, Blonde. Well, I did not have fun watching it. I'll say that. Uh, I'm still parsing through my feelings about this movie, although I would say a majority of them are negative. (laughs) So I think I sort of went through phases as I was watching this movie. First, I would say I spent the first maybe 15 minutes actually finding it really funny uh, because it became clear to me what he was really going for here, which was um, a student film. It felt like someone had just arrived at Tish and was so blown away by all the toys available to him that he decided to use all of them at the same time. Um, And I found his style of filmmaking overdone, obnoxious, um, not very considered or subtle, although I don't even think he attempted subtlety here. When it comes to the portrayal of Marilyn, I mean, I guess what I would say is obviously this is based off of a fictional book. I don't know that that's clear enough to most audiences who will see this film. But to me, it was sort of like if you were watching Phantom Thread and the character's name was like Christian Dior instead of Reynolds Woodcock. It's like, oh, you could have just written an entirely different person. (laughs) and done all of these things and not sort of falsely besmirched the memory of a woman who truly did not deserve that. Um, I don't think he has really any respect for Marilyn Monroe or for her fans. And I think that that is clear enough in the film, but what read any of his interviews. And I think that becomes crystal clear. He's not exactly hiding it or uh, disguising it with any pro, Marilyn language. I mean, there were parts of this where, I mean, I, I just haven't heard a female character be written the way that that was written in a very long time. Like, I truly am grasping for a modern screenplay that gives her the kind of dialogue that she has. Um, I can't think of one. And there were parts where I was truly, like, disturbed by it. For example, I think the... The scene where Joe DiMaggio comes back after receiving the naked pictures of her, which of course is not true. And she's sort of like purposely and purposelessly naked when he arrives. And then he batters her around and she speaks to him like a child. And I just, I, something about the way that that scene was filmed and treated and written truly made me uncomfortable as a woman. And I I don't think that it's necessarily a filmmaker's job to make you comfortable. But um, I just haven't felt that way in a really long time in a movie. And it was kind of startling, aside from the fact that it's like Marilyn and not factual. I, tr- yeah, I just haven't felt that way in a while. Um, I think obviously the other thing that was a little jarring was the way her pregnancies are treated. If you're not aware of Marilyn's history, she had endometriosis, which of course makes pregnancy very difficult. It is not because she tripped on a beach (laughs) that she miscarried. 
At first, I found the fetus pretty campy and strange, um, but it quickly, I mean, it quickly sort of turned irresponsible to me to sort of frame her miscarriage that way as her fault, to frame her abortion as her fault. I was just very put off by that. Um, And I don't know. I have a hard time because I don't enjoy moralizing film. I like when things are complicated and when I don't agree agree with certain politics or certain behaviors that a character undertakes. But I think there's sort of a strange conflict here between the fact that this is a filmmaker's vision and a and an author's vision from Joyce Carol Oates, but also the life of a real woman who had real opinions and did things for specific reasons and uh, can't respond to the way she's been portrayed here. So all in all, I thought it was a pretty amateurish film in terms of its writing. Oh, and the other thing that really bothered me about this was um, just how literal some of his work was. Like, you know, some of the symbolism, she'd be like, we were like twins. And then they point at Gemini or it's like she has an orgasm and suddenly there's a waterfall or like JFK has an orgasm and suddenly like there's a rocket going off. Like there was little shit like that all the time where I was like, you, this is a student film. Like this is, this is analogy 101 and I expect more from an adult filmmaker personally unless it's ironic. And I don't think any of that was meant to be ironic. So anyways, did not enjoy it. I thought it was amateurish and sort of irresponsible to both Marilyn Monroe and to audiences who may not know that this is not based on her life, but based on a second wave feminist gone rogue, her novel. Anyways, um, yeah, so I hope you guys had a good time talking about it. I'm really sorry again that I couldn't be there. And (laughs) hopefully you somewhat agree with me. Thank you for this opportunity to vent a little bit about this. And uh, hopefully I'll see you both soon. Bye. Bye.